Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus! God and baby. Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon in the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J. Cat Morris. I'm here for a special uh, Friday edition of Yakuza Kick Radio. I uh, got a, a guest on tonight who should be joining me shortly. It's a longtime referee. He's been in the business, I think, for like 20 years or something along those lines. John Gray. Uh, he had wanted to be on my show, and um, so he hit me up, and I figured, yeah, we'll Talked to John a little bit. He was a longtime ref for IWA Mid-South and, uh, you know, seen a lot of things over there. So, uh, you know, we're going to go over some things and uh, run down his different, uh, you know, ventures in his career and the different things he's been through and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm uh, very uninformed about uh, a lot of wrestling things right now. You know, I, I have no idea what happened to Wrestle Kingdom. I actually don't care. Um, so most of your wrestling shows are covering these type of things and I have nothing. I have, <laughs> I got nothing for that. So, uh, what can I tell you? Um, what else is new? I mean, I just talked to you guys the other day. So, um, 
just waiting on John. Like I said, it'll be a minute. Uh, he just hit me up. He was in like a no service zone or whatever the case is. Um, so yeah. Um, has, uh, has the new year, new me thing treating everybody out there. Good. I know it's, it's stupid ass questions. You know, you're not going to get an answer. Uh, so anyway, here's, uh, John Gray. What's going on? John? Hey, what's up? J cat. Hey, J cat. So sorry for the delay there, buddy. No worries. No worries, man. Um, so yeah, man, I uh, figure we'll have you on and uh you know, talk about the various things you've been through over your career. How'd you actually get into wrestling as a kid? Oh wow. Um, you know, I grew up I, I said it a thousand times, you know, I was blessed to grow up in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, it was a mecca for pro wrestling, uh the C W A, the USWA, you know, back in the uh uh, the Marlin era, um, you know, I came across the, or I came along uh, just as Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee's big feud was he, uh, heating up in the mid '80s. So, you know, I, I was really blessed, and and we had cable TV too. So, you know, like I got I got a plethora of just you know like the WWF and and USWA, and then like uh, Global and and uh, WCCW. Uh, back in those days, you know, it, it, it was just such a great time to be a wrestling fan back then, you know, in the in the, in the mid to the late eighties, because they they think wrestling is oversaturated on TV now. ESPN played a different wrestling show every day of the week where I lived, so it was it was yeah. extremely oversaturated there. Yeah. Um. So right off the bat, you were you know seeing the live shows and all of that stuff too. Yeah, yeah, I got to go to uh, uh, the USWA uh, at the Louisville Gardens on on a regular basis. I went there, God, every single Tuesday for like, man, all the way through my teen years, all the way until they shut down, uh, and Danny started running it, and I even went then. So, yeah. Who were your favorites as a kid? Oh, so many. Um <laughs> I was really big into uh, Bill Dundee, uh, and you know Brian Christopher was was a huge baby face uh, in 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 my area. PG thirteen, uh, as far as like the the local scene, but you know everybody was a Hulkamaniac when I was a kid. Um, I was a real big Randy Savage fan. I was drawn uh, to his charisma. I was a big Ricky Steamboat fan. I loved how he was able to just kind of fly around the ring um, as far as big names. Um, I didn't get to see Ric Flair for the first time until like um, the late 80s. Uh, and I became a fan of his and Nikita Koloff's really, really fast, um, just just their style in the ring. And, and I always thought it was really cool because I got to meet Nikita before uh, he was Nikita, and uh, he didn't have the Russian accent then. So <laughs> so it was really yeah. cool to see him go on TV and, and, and do the Russian thing. So you know, that, that was really awesome. What um what led you to want to be in the business or be part of the business? Just growing up, um, you know, again, I was blessed to to get to watch as much wrestling as I did back then, and um, you know, growing up, um, being a wrestling fan, and uh, IWA Mid South took off uh, around ninety six, ninety seven ish, um, I think it was, and uh, I started going to those shows. And uh, through that, I met some backyard guys uh, running uh, a World Trampoline Wrestling. That was the name of WTW. And uh, I got hooked in with them. And uh, through them, I met uh, J.C. Bailey and his mm-hmm. father, Joe. And yeah. uh, J.C. Uh, played a very pivotal part in me getting a break, period, in this business. Um, 
you know, I was, I was just a backyard guy, you know, a hundred pounds if I was that, you know, at 18 years old. And I, I don't I think I weigh 127 now, so I'm not much bigger, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but JC, um, I was running a hotline back then and, and it, it, you know, it was a little two minute deal. We would do like local updates for like the local shows, IWA and BBW and whatever else was running OVW. And I think there was a uh, Sean Casey had something going too at the time, um, that, that we would cover and uh you know so we would just go to the shows and watch them and then report back like you know who won the matches and stuff like that on the hotlines and i was still doing the backyard stuff and uh i went to a show at the mutual national guard armory uh in uh, louisville kentucky in 1998 this september of 98 i do believe it was and uh it was a bad to the bone wrestling show and and the ref that they had didn't show <laughs> or mm-hmm. whatever he got fired he didn't show I don't, I don't know what the story was there i don't i don't think i ever got told but uh he didn't show and uh, a guy named rick brady uh who ran d1w who we'll talk about much later uh in this i'm sure um uh guy named rick brady and jc bailey uh went to joe and it was between me and my dojo brother uh the hood ninja isaiah uh mm-hmm. as to who would actually get to referee uh that night and for whatever reason uh, Joe gave me the job, and uh, so yeah, um, that's that's how I got my break. You know, is uh, JC and and Rick and Joe got together, and there you go. Um, <laughs> so it, it it boiled down to just being in the right place at the right time, and I guess knowing the right people. Um, yeah. You know, and and you know from there, I got hooked up with American Kickboxer, and uh, me and Isaiah uh, started with the first two. Uh, students of his uh, in the Rage Dojo, um, and so I, I, you know, I earned my stripes uh, through uh, the American Kickboxer and, and the Rage Dojo uh, very early on. Now, was your intention initially to be a ref, or did something happen where you decided, you know, this is the best path for you? Uh, you know, doing the backyard thing, you know, it was great, it was fun, it was, you know, whatever. Um, but I learned real quick that you know, I just wasn't real good with pain, uh, not not on a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a regular basis. And, right. um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to do something uh, in the business. I just didn't know what that something was going to be. Um you know, uh, I I do have some charisma. I've done some managing in my career and and stuff of that nature. Um, but uh, refereeing just seemed so natural, uh, and I caught on really quick. I mean, obviously my first night was a catastrophe, um, and and they set me up. But from from the word go, it was a setup. I think it was a big mm-hmm. rip. To this day, I think it was a big rip. But um, yeah, it, it just kind of it, it blossomed into something, and you know, um, it it. it it was different um, to to see that side of it after you know doing uh, all this stuff in the backyard and, and all that and uh, getting to hang out backstage with IWA uh, on occasions and and kind of see how Ian ran his locker room and then to be a part of a locker room uh, just just that whole transition was uh, overwhelming uh, at times you know um, especially being the new kid so you know right. Now, first getting involved in wrestling, um, was it like a shock to you to figure out, you know, the ref's actual role in a match? Because obviously it's not just, you know, counting one, two, three and stuff. There's a lot more communication and stuff that's involved. Yeah, yeah it was um, 
it was really amazing to learn those things on the fly um, because, you know, up to that point, it, it, when you're doing the backyard thing, and, and, and anybody that's ever done backyard knows you, you spend time as a rep, you, you wrestle, you know, 15,000 times in a five-hour period, and you'll probably referee that amount of time as well. You know, so you mm-hmm. learn little things doing that, but we, we weren't re- real big on the communication part uh, of it uh, or – um, a referee leading a match, which you know are mm-hmm. things that now I'm I'm very very comfortable with, um, and and I've gotten very good at through the years. Um, whereas you know back then, it, it, like you said, it, it was it was kind of a culture shock. It was it was like wow, you know this is it's a lot of responsibility, and 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 I have to be scared of these people too, which is you know a whole other aspect of it. You know uh, when you're looking at a six foot nine manslaughter who you know. Um, you have good camaraderie with elsewhere, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you get in the ring and you have to, you know, bow down in terror uh, to this chainsaw wielding maniac, you know. So mm-hmm. it was it was really different um, to 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 see that side of it and to learn it on the fly as well, um, you know, through through just you know getting in the ring and and um, being taught up by like Two Tough Tony and uh, the judge who was a big manager for uh, BBW at the time and uh, JC uh, was a pivotal part of my training as was Brutal Bill Lewis and I mean just so many people uh, Vic, uh, Vic the Bruiser uh, spent a lot of time uh, teaching me how to communicate in the ring and uh, get the message across without um, with, without allowing the fans to, to leave that that disbelief, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was really cool to, to get to learn various aspects from a lot of different places. Um, and, and, you know, again, it was a, it was a huge culture shock, too, to, to know that there was so much more than just getting in the ring and, you know, counting at three or counting ten and um, mm-hmm. counting, you know, the, the different things that we do, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you uh, get into IWA Mid-South and, you know, become part of the – their company. <laughs> that that didn't come till many 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 years into my career. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, when um, when I first broke in, of course I broke in with Bad Zone Wrestling, and Ian and me at the time, um, we were not very good friends. Um, as a matter of fact, right. I spent a lot of time uh, just dogging his product, um, and and. You know, in hindsight, it, it was it was a lot of jealousy because I wasn't there, um, and mm-hmm. I wanted to be, um, and and I didn't know how else to get noticed other than to run my mouth, and that was totally the wrong way to go with it. But you you, you live, you learn, and 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 at the time, I, I did a lot of things that I I now regret. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it all it all came full circle uh, many years later. Uh, because Ian called me on the phone. I was living in Frankfort, Kentucky at the time, and he was—I think he was fixing to start a uh, uh, ARA, the American Wrestling Association, or, or I think—I think that was the name of it. Um, mm-hmm. Or he had a hand in it, or something of that nature. And he called me, and he's like, "You want to come wrestle?" And I was like, "Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> Let's do this." Mm-hmm. I dropped the phone because I was so shocked that it was Ian, and he was actually calling me to come and wrestle. Um, yeah. So. Um, that that was actually how I got in with Ian, and then you know JC passed away, and all of that happened. And um, you know, for many years, a lot of people just wouldn't touch Ian, and I was one of them. Um, I, right. I was very bitter 
I was very, very bitter. Not not because I felt Ian was to blame for JC's death. And let me be very, very clear. I never once blamed Ian Rotten for JC Bailey dying. That that right. that never came from me. Um but I felt that it contributed, and I still feel that way today. Um, but not mm-hmm. just Ian, but other places he was, you know, uh, combat zone and, and and things of that nature. And sure, <clears throat> pardon me, I I still get a little choked up talking about JC. He he was such a great guy, and and such a pivotal part of my career uh, mm-hmm. is owed to JC. Uh, that that just mentioning still to this day chokes me up a little bit. Um, but um, so JC passed away, and uh, it actually took a uh, another referee um, who I guess had befriended Ian um, through the years to get me and Ian together, um, and and we just you know we had kind of a come to Jesus meeting uh, between me mm-hmm. and him, and you know he he said what he said and I said what I said, and at the end of it you know we shook hands and and that was that. Um, so. He was just fixing to get ready to start back off. Um, I want to say it was 2015. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe no, no, no. I think it was 2013. I'm sorry, 2013. Okay. When he was just getting ready to kick back off at the Colgate Building, and uh, I just sent him a message. I was like, "Hey, I'd love to come check out the show. You know, maybe you know, walk around the locker room and say hi to some of the guys. I missed them, you know, etc." And uh, he was like, "Hey, you want to work?" I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> so that that's that's actually how I got into uh, IWA is, you know, we, we finally buried the hatchet after many, many years of, you know, just stupid back and forth banner uh, between the two of us. And, um, sure. you know, I, I eventually got my chance and, um, you know, uh, I'm very grateful to Ian for the opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was definitely a different IWA than what right. I remembered. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that in a derogatory meaning. I, it just wasn't it wasn't the same, you know, um, as mm-hmm. as you had felt as a fan sitting in the sitting in the seats, uh, coming every week and watching the Corporal Robinson and the Suicide Kids, and you know, staring in awe at the Terry Funks. Okay, um, it, it was just a completely different feel being in an IWA locker room all those years later knowing all the names that had come through it was it was very very cool um so sure i'm very very blessed that, that ian gave me that opportunity yeah now obviously you know you dealt with some uh, hardcore stuff i'd imagine in the backyard and all of that but when was the first time you mm-hmm. actually had to rep a death match <sighs> lord uh <laughs> I believe uh, I did a one-off for Joe, for Joe Bailey, and mm. he did like a baseball, uh, a thumbtack baseball bat, thumbtack mat, and uh, there were some light tubes with Two Tough Tony and I think Ox Harley or, or something of that nature, and uh, that was my first, that was my first taste of it, and and uh, back then, you know, it was goofy because um, I wore the goggles and, you know, I had the gloves and the long sleeves mm-hmm. and, you know, all that and all this stuff I'm dead set against to you know, against today. You know, like I'm, I get all referees. I'm like, you know how goofy you look, you know, fucking take the bump, <laughs> you know, it's it's part of the show. Get over yourself, dude. You look like a fucking yeah. clown, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and that's how I feel. You know, I mean, those goggles. 
if if you're blind, I get it. If you if you gotta wear glasses and you know you put the goggles on over your glasses, I, I get that. You don't want your glasses falling off, whatever. It's all good. But just uh-huh. wear goggles and and all that other fucking PE shit. Give me a fucking break. These guys damn near kill themselves. You can count the three and some goddamn thumbtacks. It's not gonna kill you. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sell it. <laughs> Sell it. One two. Ow. That's that's how that's done. <laughs> yeah. So um. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but um, that that was my first taste of it, and then I'll be honest, I, I didn't really care for it. Um, even though I was a big fan of the IWA's hardcore style, uh, and and stuff of that nature, I I much rather getting in the ring, um, and and working a technical match and learning, uh, some of the psychology and 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 stuff that that happened on on that side of it, and um, I dedicated been doing this 21 years now 20 years now so i say probably the first 12 years i, I did very very few death matches or even hardcore matches uh mm-hmm. in that span of time I, i'd probably count them on one hand if i tried yeah um so what was the first match or moment that it was surreal you know you looked and you said wow i'm reffing a match with this guy in the ring um Lord, uh, <laughs> uh, it happened a couple of times actually, but I guess the first one would have been with um, um, uh, oh shit, I, I had it, I forget his name, uh, Billy Joe Travis, and it was so weird. Um, Battles on Wrestling, a guy named Greg Aubrey, um, was Joe Bailey's direct competition, and when Joe fired me, of course Greg come calling, and I went running. You know, that's how things were done back then. You just got to work the mm-hmm. competition, whatever. And uh, so I was I was working for Joe's competition at the time, and uh, this guy comes walking in, and he's got curly hair. It's all short, you know, and uh, you got to remember Billy Joe Travis has been off TV for quite a few years at that point. You know, he hadn't been seen. So um, he comes walking in, he's got this curly hair, and he's got, you know, fanny pack should have gave it away, but it just didn't for whatever reason. And, you know, he's up in the locker room area. He doesn't have a bag or anything. I'm, I just walk up to him like, excuse me, sir. Uh, you part of the show? <laughs> and he sticks his hand out. He's like, I'm Billy Joe Travis. Nice to meet you. And I was just like, oh, fuck, shit. Insert foot, you know, open mouth, insert foot moment, you know. Uh, yeah. But I, I didn't even recognize the guy. Uh, it, it had been so long since I'd seen him. So um, I got to rep his match and just you know, being out there and listening to him talk and, and kind of guide um, the, the kid that he was working. It was uh, it was only that guy. His name slips my mind now, but it was only like his fifth or sixth match. Uh, mm-hmm. Fresh out of training school, and uh, he he took Billy Joel Travis, and uh, Billy Billy was an adamant professional. He he led him through the whole match, and you know I learned a lot about communicating uh, back and forth that day, and 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 you know watched a master at it. Uh, him and Tracy Smothers, two of the greatest. Um, you know I've I've been a part of many 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 Tracy Smothers matches, and uh, it, it amazes me that we'll be in the ring and all of a sudden I'll hear his voice and I'll look at him and it's, he, he, you can hear him talking, but you can't tell he's talking. And it's just like, how are you doing that? I can't do that. I don't have any teeth and I can't do that. So, <laughs> you know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, you know, th- that was really cool. That was the first time. And, but the biggest time, the biggest time was, um, it was a company called uh, All Pro Wrestling uh, out of Louisville, Kentucky. They ran off the 7th Street. Uh, just a little – they were pretty much a backyard fed, you know. I mean, they they 
they charged ticket prices and had athletic commission backing and all that shit. But basically, they were they were yard fed. The, the commission could have gave two fucks about them, and, and that's just mm-hmm. the way it was. Um, but um, you know, I, I was doing some stuff with them, and um, I got a call from uh, Brian, uh, the guy, one of the guys that that owned it. Um, and he was like, Hey, you know, we're going to be in London. We're going to be doing the show. Uh, we got, you know, Ted DiBiase and, uh, the road warriors are going to be there and, uh, buff bag one Greg Valentine and we need a ref. Can you, can you make the shot? And I was like, <laughs> dude, I'll walk to fucking London, Kentucky for that deal. You know, I don't give a damn. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, uh, I go up and I do the show and, um, you know, I got to meet the road warriors before Hawk passed away and, you know, what an amazing moment that was. Uh, I know I've cussed a lot on this show, and your listeners are probably going to be like, oh, this dude's a Christian? Yeah, I am. Uh, and I got saved at that wrestling show. And uh, the thing that I remember the most is afterwards, Hawk, all six foot nine thousand feet of him, <laughs> stood next to me, and he stuck his, he put his arm around me, and he's like, well, kid, what are you going to do now? I'm just kind of looked up at him, you know, and I was like, I have no idea what's in store for me. None. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to guess. And, 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 you know, from there, it just kind of, it kind of grew. And I got to do a little traveling with Ted DiBiase and uh, the Power Wrestling Alliance. And, uh, but that was, that, that was probably the biggest other than uh, the Sting Shawn Michaels deal up in Detroit that we did two years later um, that, that was pretty cool too. Um, but yeah. just to be around the road warriors, um, you know, uh, Mike and, and Joe were just amazing and um, became good friends of mine. Um, uh, still, me and me and Animal talk uh, constantly uh, now. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I was very blessed. Again, just to be in the right place at the right time with the right people, and you know, yeah. I got an opportunity from it. So, you know, uh, just just another blessing. Yeah, that's great. Um, so. Before you were talking about, um, you know, going to work for Ian after JC had passed and everything, um, mm-hmm. was Joe still with us? Because I know Joe, you know, he had yeah. real bad blood towards Ian. Um, did that create a rift between you and him? Uh, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, um, <laughs> and I, I, I haven't told this story uh, to many people, but uh, I went and visited Joe in the hospital. Uh, he was on his mm-hmm. deathbed. Uh, this was right. just previous to him dying. And, um uh, you know, we, we, we talked for almost two hours and, you know, uh, the three things that he, he got through to me in that whole conversation was, you know, he's going to die hating Ian Rotten, but that doesn't mean other people can't take advantage of what Ian has to offer. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's just, that, that is what it is. Um, so, uh, the second thing I took away from that is Joe Bailey believed in me, probably more than any other promoter I've ever worked for, uh, in, in my entire career. Um, from day one, he told me, you know, John, one day I'm going to, I'm going to see you on TV. And unfortunately that never happened. And it probably never will, especially since I got all this ink on my arm now, uh, higher ups in New York don't seem to like that too much. So (laughs) probably never going to be there, but that, that, you know, that is what it is. Um, it, it didn't stop me from, you know, going out and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm no Jason Aries and, or, you know, um, a lot of other guys. I'm no Drake Worth, but, you know, I, I, I feel I'm the best at what I do, uh, and nobody does it better than me. Uh, and, and that's what I was taught from, you know, the very first time I ever did anything in uh, backyards or 
uh, pro is if you do not feel you're the best, don't, because there's there's no sense in it. Because there's always going right. to be somebody, you know, that that does feel that, and they're going to go further because of that. So, you know, um, I've always kind of had that mentality that that I was the best at what I did, and uh, Joe is a big part of why I believe that, um, because he he believed that about me, and um, you know. I, I miss that man terribly too. He he was just a big old teddy bear. <laughs> um yeah. for the most part, you know. Um a shyster promoter at times. He he was definitely <laughs> a, a a a promoter. Uh, I'll give him that. Um mm. but uh he he was uh he, he he was a good guy and um if he knew you needed it he'd give you shirt off his back. Um yeah. you know and, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, there's only two Baileys left or three um, and uh, <laughs> none of them are involved in the professional wrestling industry and uh, probably for good reason and uh, mm-hmm. they're all very bitter towards the wrestling industry and, and again probably for good reason um, right. you know um, so you know that is what it is but um, yeah yeah um, I was fortunate to have Joe on a few times after uh, JC had passed and yeah he was he was always a great mm-hmm. great guy Really, really nice yeah. to me. So, I appreciate that. Yeah, Joe was Joe was one of a kind. Uh, he either liked you or he didn't like you. And if he didn't like you, he would tell you. He he had no qualms at letting people know I don't like you. <laughs> so, uh, he was he was willing that aspect. I'll give him that. And he knew how to throw that weight around. <laughs> Big old boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. So then, once you started, you know working for Ian and um, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you came to peace with him and stuff. You had years of, you know, um, bitterness towards him and everything, but just Mm -hmm. because you made peace with them, I mean, the ammo never started, stopped coming at Ian. So at some point when you stand beside him, you kind of have to defend some of that. How was it to Mm -hmm. flip the tables and now be on team, team Ian and and feel the type of criticism he was getting on his company and everything else? I mean, to an extent, I get it. You know, Ian, I, I think Axel Rotten described Ian the best um, on his on his shoot interview uh, that he did with RF. I think it was back in like uh, 04, 01, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. May have even been earlier than that. But uh, Axel described Ian as the kind of guy you either like or you don't like him or you don't like him, but you tolerate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I don't think I don't think you can describe Ian any better than that. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that you know, they don't like him, but they'll go work for him um, mm-hmm. because they know they know that the IWA, the name the IWA, still does have some pull um, mm-hmm. in 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 certain circles. Um, it, it still holds a lot of value, and the name Ian Rotten, uh, as much as people want to shit on it, still holds a lot of value. Um, the man has turned out a shit ton of talent, uh, even mm-hmm. recently. Uh, and, and, and people, you know, talk this and that. Well, he didn't pay, and he didn't do this, and he didn't do that. You know, the only time I didn't get paid is when I didn't ask for it. And and, and that is, you know, people are where you shouldn't have. Well, whatever. Okay, you know, you know who you're working for, and if you if that's the if that's the deal, then that's the deal. You go and you get your money if you want it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So. If I ever asked Ian for anything, Ian was Johnny on the spot if he could help me. I, I don't I don't know how many times he bailed me out of a couple, a few hundred dollar jams 
okay? <laughs> Not something yeah. you just come up with, you know, willy-nilly, but, you know. Um, so I defend Ian a lot uh, based on the fact that I know that when I need him, if I need him, if he can help me, he has never once denied me. Never. Mm-hmm. Even even if we weren't on the greatest of speaking terms. And there were some times, even, you know, recently where we we had a difference in opinion. We we didn't speak, whatever, you know, it, it, it we lived two blocks from each other and didn't speak for, you know, three months. Um <laughs> um over petty stupid shit. Um because we just were both too stubborn. And, you know, when mm-hmm. we did, it, and it all came about, it, it, it all worked out. But any time I have ever went to went to that man and said, look, this is what I need, okay, I, I, this is based on a need, not a want, he has right. gone above and beyond to help me. And because of that, I defend him, mm-hmm. and, and I'll continue to defend him because I know the character of the man that is Ian Rotten. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point you worked for OVW. I, I don't know a whole lot of OVW other than it was a development, um, developmental, mm-hmm. uh, for WWE. Um, yep. I think Kenny Bolin runs that or ran that. Right? Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's still running it. Um, or I think did at some point, I think the, I think that, yeah, I think at one time, at one point he was running the book. Uh, when I was there, uh, Dr. Dusty Williams and uh, uh, Super, not Supernova. Uh, yeah, Supernova. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're kind of running running things and running the book and running the back and and uh, like uh, Joey Mercury was there, uh, Cody Rhodes was there at the time uh, doing his developmental. Um, Santino was there doing his developmental. Uh, trying to think of who else might have been there. Uh, I think John Morrison was there at the time. Uh, quite a few, quite a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a who's who, uh, yeah. especially you know, given in, you know the the big thing that's blowing up now at AEW. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody actually asked me the other day, "You're going to call Cody and see if he remembers you and give you a job?" No, I'm not going to call Cody and ask him if he remembers <laughs> me to ask you for. Are you fucking crazy? Like people <laughs> yeah. that man's work with, you don't remember who the fuck I am. So. <laughs> Not, I'm not that special, you know. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know what? I learned a lot there. Um, I I screwed myself there. Um, nobody, nobody else, you know. Other, I have I have a beef with Ray Ramsey, the guy who was the senior official there, because of the way that he went about firing me. He lied to my face mm-hmm. and then tried to have me blackballed. Okay. Right. Rather than handle it professionally and say, "Look, we know you stole from the company and from um, from my booty, um, um, Supernova," and, and and yes, I did. I was I was guilty as charged, and and I can't deny it. Um, and they all knew it, and as a result, I was fired. Um, they nobody actually seen me do it. Nobody, you know, they didn't have any hard evidence. They, I never admitted to it. Not until many, many years after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. I was never questioned about it, but I always knew that that was the case because as soon as Ray called me and told me that they were bringing in SmackDown referees and they weren't going to need me, he then proceeded to call every promoter in Kentucky and tell them not to use me because I was a thief. And mm-hmm. half of them then turned around and called me. And asked me what the hell was going on. So, um, 
again, I was blessed to, you know, be in a good circle of people who reached out when, when they knew something just didn't add up. Okay. They knew that was way out of character for me. And, and it, and it was, um, but at the time, um, I was very, very, very sick. Um, I had a very bad addiction and, um, Mm I, um, I am one of the few people that I know, I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't millions of people like me, but I'm one of the few people that I know that has been able to, to, to come to terms with that addiction, set it down, walk away, never turn around and look back at that addiction and, and keep moving forward. Now to this day, I avoid being around cocaine, uh, because uh-huh. of what it did to my life. Um, and I still smoke pot. Everybody knows that I smoke a lot of pot, um, but right. I, I tend to stay. I, 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 if if anybody brings out any powder around me or whatever, I'm, I'm just I'm going somewhere else. I don't want to be around it uh, because mm-hmm. uh, personally, what it what it cost me, um, and, sure. and what it cost me was an opportunity to be seen by some big people, and maybe um, before I had tattoos on my arms um, to to get a job. Uh, somewhere other than just an indie level um, ref, and uh, I blew it. I blew it on my own. Nobody else put that coke in my nose and told me to steal more money so I could get more coke. Nobody mm-hmm. else did that. That was all me. And um, I've uh, I've had conversations with uh, with with Nova um, since then. Um, he has long since forgiven me. Um, he'll never do anything for me, and I fully understand that and respect that, but he has never once tried to get a receipt. Uh, we've been on shows. He's had – matter of fact, he, he did a show at Ian's, and Ian even told him, if you want to get your receipt, here's your chance, and Mike was like, no, no. It's just water under the bridge. The kid learned a lesson, and, and at the end of the day, he's a better person. I'm a better person. We can move forward, and and – and that takes a lot, and I know that takes a lot um, for mm-hmm. him to be able to do that. Uh, and that says a lot about who he is as a person as well um, because, you know, again, he, he has every right. <laughs> Still $150 out of his wallet. Um, so, you know, uh, that, that, that's the shoot. That, that's, the, that's the real story. Yeah. Um, now, you know, having an addiction problem – and you know, being in and around the wrestling business, how hard is that mm-hmm. you know to to exist? Because obviously, there's a lot of you know drug use and things of that nature. You know, I'll be honest. I, I haven't seen. I mean, obviously, you know, pot is the drug of choice by most workers, and and I, and I say most. I'd say probably 95 percent of them prefer to just smoke a smoke a joint and drink a beer, have some whiskey, something of that nature. Um, over anything else. Now, I've been on shows where I've heard of, you know, certain people having it, and I'm I'm not gonna, you know, bust them out because you know that's not what I'm about. But uh, I have not ever really seen it, seen that in a locker room uh, that I have ever been in. Um, even previous to my OVW days, um, <clears throat> it was not something that was prevalently. Uh, found um, occasionally you would see like uh, pills being snorted and stuff like that, but you know uh, that's a process that you can see them you know breaking the pill up, et cetera, and so you kind of know um, but uh, yeah, uh, as far as the you know like heavy duty drugs, um, you just don't see it a lot you, you really don't see people doing pills a whole lot anymore in the locker room hmm. 
Yeah, at least, I, I mean, at, at I least I can say I don't. I'm, I'm not going to say right. that, that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying that me, I personally have not witnessed anyone, um, at least of recent memory. I, I'll say in the last 10 years, I cannot think of one instance where I have been in a locker room and something other than weed has reared its head. Yeah, I mean, I got to feel that's just a matter of concealing or something because there's, there's some people who have withered away in front of us and, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, no, absolutely, and yeah, and 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 you know, that's the that's the tragedy of this business is we spend so much time trying to mask the pain that that we we don't recognize when somebody's in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody knew that I was addicted to coke. It's not like I showed up to a show, you know, coked out of my head, and you know white residue all over my nose you know Um, I was able to hide that very very well uh, and very easily Um, you know so pardon me I'm so sorry Um, but yeah uh, it's completely I think it's I think it's just a different different animal Um, and it's not something that that people want everybody to know you know like it, it, it's not the cool thing to be the the cokehead or the peel head or, or all of that anymore um now occasionally right. you'll hear people you know uh, i do hear people saying hey can you get you know blah 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 mm-hmm. um but i've never actually seen it take place and come out in the locker room area so you know again it it happens and and, and i don't care what you say it happens in every sport there, there are drugs that should not be taken by every athlete, professional, and uh, probably a lot of college athletes as well. You know, I, I'll, I'll say that. Um, I've been sure. on some of them campuses, I know. Um, so, um, that, again, that is what it is. Um, this is something that, that we as a society need to get on board with fighting. Um until everybody is on the same page across the board on what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable, people are going to continue to do, you know, and, and deteriorate right in front of our eyes because we, we just can't always see the, the signs that, that are there. Sure. Um, so, I mean, speaking of addiction, drug use and, and uh, you know, and the business and all of that, and a guy you've, you've seen and been around, um, what's your feelings on Corp and everything that went down with him? You know, um, Cole, it's funny you should ask that because he, he, he has a very special relationship with my wife. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Corp stayed at, at Karen's house uh, all uh, many, many years um, uh, with with her parents. And then when Karen was a teenager and, you know, when, when IWA was first coming about. And um, I've known Corp um, my entire career. Um it's tough to watch, you know, it's tough to see that, that, that he was going through that. And, and, you know, even me and Karen will tell you that we had our suspicions, but we never, we never wanted to be the ones that call him out. And I, and I think that's another big issue is nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to be that person that says, Hey, are you okay? Is there a problem? Do we need to get you help? You know? Um, so, there's that. Um, my thoughts on Steve, I, I think he's, I think he's done great. Um, a tremendous job at bouncing back from all the negativity that was thrown his way after all of that happened. Um, addiction's a hell of a thing and, and it can, 
not just take your life. It can ruin your life if if it, if it doesn't take it. it. It absolutely can ruin your life. Um, and and I think Steve, uh, I think Corp, uh, the thing for him is is he's just a set story because he was able to come back and say, you know what, I own. I did this. Um, I'm still going to go out and do the damn thing. I'm still going to go out and 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 uh, perform for these people because that's what I should do. And I'm going to try to right the wrongs that I did. And and mm-hmm. that takes an even bigger person to do um, than than most people can realize. I mean, you, you, you do a lot of training for your triathlons, okay? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure as hard as that is, it's probably not near as hard as having to eat your own crow. And and I'm sure you've done that a few times in your <laughs> your podcasting career. So, you know, it's it, it's not easy for anybody to do, um, but it takes mm. a big person to be able to do it and and move forward without it looming over their head constantly, um, in their mind. You know, you, you kind of get over themselves and say, okay, it's there, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep looking back at that. People can talk about it, but I'm not gonna keep I'm not gonna keep referring back to that because I'm looking forward. And, and I think Steve's done a great job of doing that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's difficult when, you know, not only did he have a problem, but he involved everybody else when, you know, he, he pulled everybody into that tournament and then bailed on it. And, I mean, that's like direct betrayal on the fans. And, and again, you know, when, when, you're, when you're talking about an addiction, and, and I'm not saying that the addiction is in, in and of itself an excuse, but when you're talking about an addiction – you're talking about somebody that that the only thing that matters to them is that next high, is that next buzz, is that next uh, drink, or or you know that next sure. roll of dice, if that may be mm-hmm. their addiction of choice, or that next you know nut. I know sex addicts, so you know um, <laughs> I'm confused cards, but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, when 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 you're dealing with any type of an addiction, and, and I've learned this. Um, you know, from being an addict, I'm addicted to pot. I'll tell you now, you don't want to know me if I ain't got a joint after a couple mm. of days. I'll tear your head off. You yeah. know, worse than a woman on her fucking period. <laughs> mm. uh, my wife hates me when I run out of weed. Um, I'm addicted to it. I, I can fully admit that. But I'm not out robbing people for it. Uh, that's the right. difference. <laughs> that's a big difference. Um, because it, and, and, and I think part of that is, too, is that it's socially acceptable um, in, in, in most circles. You know, uh, you can go just about anywhere and, and know somebody in that crowd has probably got a joint. Sure. Or know somebody that has a joint. And, and, you know, it, it's just way more socially acceptable than any other drug on the planet. So you know, we're mm-hmm. apples to oranges. But yeah. It, An addictive personality. Just, can, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been there. I've, you know, over five years sober now from you know, alcohol and everything. And, um, yeah, I definitely went through those years of, you know, couldn't, couldn't go a day without weed. And, you know, I was, yeah. I was an asshole if I didn't have it. So it's all mm-hmm. I cared about. So, um, you know, and it, I, yeah. I had to come to grips with figuring out, you know, if you know that you're going to see something you really want to see, but you can't do it mm-hmm. without smoking first, it's like, what? Well, I mean, you wanted to do that. That's, this isn't like a rough pill to swallow. Like you're looking forward to this movie, but you got to smoke before you see it. So it's like, well, <laughs> you can't control that. Right. Right. Yeah. Believe it or not, uh, that that's been, that's been the, the, the attitude. You know I mean? I can, I can tell you that that's my struggle. 
I love mm-hmm. playing my video game. I'm a huge butt dude. I'm I'm always on my Madden Ultimate Team upgrading and looking at cards mm-hmm. and spending tokens, all that crap, okay? But I can't do it if I don't have a joint to smoke first. I, I can't even focus on on all that shit. So Yeah. You know. It, it's it, it's so strange. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've tried. Uh, now I have cleaned up um, for for some time in the past and and tried to live a a somewhat normal life. Mm-hmm. The longest I've made it is uh, six months uh, with with no weed. And and most people say, well, hell, you had it licked, yeah, did I? <laughs> Obviously, I didn't. Because if mm-hmm. I did, I wouldn't be smoking it today. Um, but you know, it it was very difficult every day for that six months to keep that you know same rigor more because I wanted it so badly. Um, yeah. And, and I fought it, you know, I fought it as long as I could, and finally I was just, fuck it. I'm smoking a joint. It's just, I'll calm my happy ass down somewhere. And, and mm-hmm. you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. Whenever you get past any kind of addiction or habit that you have, I mean, you really got to reprogram your mind. It it sounds cliche, but you kind of do have to be reborn because you have to learn how to live a whole nother way you're not used to. So it's, it's, I definitely right. went through that. And, and, you know, everybody's different. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you were you were able to walk away and, and you know, not look back on the, the alcohol or weed. You know, I was able to walk away from, from Coke, but heaven forbid I put my cigarettes down. Heaven forbid I put this weed down. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a completely different beast, at least for me. Now, I think one advantage you have is you substituted, and, and, and I think you can argue this, uh, Jay, you substituted one addiction for another because you went from being uh, a drinker and a, and a and a smoker to training for these triathlons crazily. Yeah. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. You know. So and but you 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 have to have that addictive mentality in order to be able to do that type of training. A- am I yep. am I incorrect in that? No, you're 100 percent right. I was able to substitute it for a physical. Um, yeah. A, physical addiction yeah. i guess you'd, you'd call it right but yeah. uh, i've been able to push myself positively so it's, it's a it's a positive mm-hmm. addiction no absolutely I, I absolutely did not mean that in a negative light and and, and if you right. took it that no. way i apologize uh, i was not just trying to you know compare that you know i guess to me there there are good addictions there are bad addictions um and and you know obviously i'm i'm more prone to the bad ones than i am the good ones um but anytime i can see Anybody making progress in their life, I think it's amazing, uh, especially yeah. if it was, you know, not really the plan to start. Uh, as and, and I'm gonna put you on the spot. That that wasn't really the the plan when you when you stopped drinking and stopped smoking. You didn't plan on being a triathlon athlete, right? Uh, no, I mean not really, but you know, I. My physicality kind of came late in life. It wasn't until after 18 I actually realized I even had athletic ability. So, like, I mm-hmm. dabbled in this and that and then, you know, kind of got into the, the obstacle racing towards the end of my drinking, towards the very, very end, and then started to realize, like, okay, I could really turn this up, you know, now mm-hmm. now that I'm walking away from this. I want to get better at these things. And I got a lot of, I got a lot of space to fill right now, you know, where I'd normally right, be trying to disappear right. at night. I could put a mm-hmm. punishing on my body. That's the thing is right. when you get used to, you know, waking up every morning feeling like death and like a truck hit you, well, you could do that physically and it's a good feeling because now you're sore for mm-hmm. a good reason instead of a bad reason, you know? Yeah. 
no. no. I, I have found that I am addicted to not going to the gym. Um, <laughs> when I have tried, it has always resulted in immense pain. So I, uh, I have I've decided if I'm going to have a good addiction, it will be not going to the gym. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love going to the I gym. Feel like I'm most just horrible at working out. <laughs> no, I, no, I actually, I, I like going to the gym. I'm just horrible at working out. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot or something. Like I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of throwing weights around, really knowing you shit. You know, it's kind of weird. But yeah, yeah. So you'd rather just like drop people off at the gym, is what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll totally be your Uber <laughs> lift to the gym. Uh, I can, I can, I can nail that task like no other. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, back to wrestling. Um, you know, in in the realms of deathmatch wrestling, um, was there anything that really startled you within the ring? Obviously, you know, you you're around quite a bit of glass and and fire and this and that. Was there anything that you know had you a little bit nervous while in the ring with it? Not at first. Um, it was. It was a little overwhelming. Um, the first, the first like full fledged glass and like two death matches that I did, like <laughs> I was scared. Pardon me, I was scared to death for a little while. <laughs> Just like you know, it, what, what's going to happen with this glass? But once the first piece of glass broke, it was like all the fear went away, and it was just like you know, down to business. You know, here we go. Um, I didn't actually start to take in all of my surroundings until. After King of the Death, 2016. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and uh, I'm, I guess we'll we'll tell that story real quick. Uh, for those of you that have not seen King of the Death 2016, go check it out. And somewhere around the hour hour five minute mark during the Marcus Crane, Joshua Crane, Ricky Shane Page, and Del Patrick's uh, light to bonanza alcohol pit. Go fuck your mother in the ass with a dildo death match. I, I don't remember what all was in this thing. I mean, there was just so many fucking gimmicks in this thing. Um, there, there was a spot where uh, all four of them had a had a tube, and I think Ricky Champagne actually had a bundle of four, uh, and everybody else had single tubes. And they all four swung at the same time. And I was standing behind Ricky Shane to sit at a hard cam. And uh, I was standing behind Ricky Shane Page because I figured if they're all four going to swing, Ricky Shane Page is the biggest guy in the ring. I better be behind the biggest guy in the fucking ring. Made sense to me. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, big mistake because uh, the the metal cap on the end is the best thing that I can I can figure out that hit me because um, I tell you when it when it hit me, it felt like somebody from the crowd had chucked a rock at my head. Uh, it hit me. I mean, it, it damn near knocked me down. It didn't knock me out. I knew I got hit, but I, I went down to my went down to my knees and was like, "What the fuck?" Um, and and it hit me with such force that I heard. Of it, it cut me right by right by my ear, right above my temple. Um, uh, and and when it, I, I could hear the skin rip, <laughs> and I just knew it was bad. Um, so um, I. I um, yeah, I got hit, and and the next thing I remember after that is seeing Nick Glenn grab me, um, and and I was in the back, and and I remember asking for my wife, and uh, then they took me off to the hospital, and some people tell me I came back and finished the show, but I haven't went back and watched it, so if anybody does, maybe you can confirm for me if I was in the main event or not. I, I don't. No, I'm just kidding. I was, and uh, mm-hmm. I was very glad that the very glad that the hospital was um, was 
not uh, asking a thousand questions. Uh, I went in. They did not clean it. Me, I signed my my um, intake and my outtake uh, paperwork all at the same time and waited on my ride to go back to the show. I left in the middle of match three. I got back and uh, finished up doing matches six and seven, uh, which I believe was Claymont Josh Crane, if I'm not mistaken, hmm. that year. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember who. I, I remember Claymont was in the main event. I don't remember who the opponent was. But, yeah, um, so <clears throat> it, it was uh, just a crazy, crazy uh, – since then, I, I have been very, very keen at, at taking in my surroundings, and uh, I take my wife to all of my shows, especially my deathmatch mm-hmm. shows, uh, just yeah. in case something crazy does happen. Um, that way somebody's there, and uh, I don't die. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, other than yourself, you know, in a match, um, was there, you know, a point where you – we're worried about like the competitor, an injury or a cut or something you saw and you're like, you know, genuinely concerned. Cause you know, these guys could take quite a bit, but there's, there's a couple mm-hmm. cuts to go a little further than they're supposed yeah. to. And then you got to mm-hmm. kind of manage what's going on with that. Right. Um, that, that's happened a couple of times. Once during a non-death match show, um, I was doing, uh, for insanity pro wrestling. Uh, they were doing a joint show with Dragon Gate that day. <clears throat> and there was a, uh, a tryout match between a guy named Christian Hain and Jesse Emerson. And uh, okay. Christian Christian went up and did like a uh, a moonsault double twisty thing on the bobber. And mm-hmm. as he come down, like Jesse fed in, but I guess not enough. And I did not see Christian's head smack the concrete. There were three guys in the front row that were that were sitting close enough for it to, I guess, flatter on them. And they got my attention to let me know that, that, that Christian Haim had just cracked his head like an egg on the concrete oh, wow. and uh, was bleeding really, really badly. Um, so I got out of the ring and, and assessed it, and, and it was a really bad cut. Um, and I threw up the axes. He was out. He, he had no recollection of what had just happened, uh, fully concussed. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that was the end of the match. But um, that, that, that really scared me. Uh, because it was the first time I'd ever had to throw up the X during during a show, um, legitimately, um, and mm-hmm. it was the first time I had seen somebody actually get a concussion uh, that I was aware of. So it, it was it was really kind of surreal, and I wasn't really sure you know if I made the right call uh, at first um, until after uh, the show when Gabe Sapolsky and Jason uh, Aries came up to me and and both said, "Hey, good job on that." You, right on the spot uh really good job you know really impressive mm-hmm. no that, that that felt really good uh death match wise um a couple of alice cologne matches uh that kid is fucking crazy god damn what you, alice you know <laughs> uh, now oops isn't he the one that fucked up your tiger yeah well yeah it was uh animal my animal tattoo but yeah yeah he's, okay uh, right he's the guy. yeah you think he's, he's reckless? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't I, see. I don't think he's reckless. He's just he, he does some stuff that that's well, you know. I haven't I, I haven't seen the clip, so I have no opinion on 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 what exactly happened to you, Jay. And I'm not going to comment yeah, yeah. on that. And, you know, I apologize if that happened. I love Alex. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great hand to have on any show, uh, death match or non death match. Um, he, he's a fucking walking wrestling history book, uh, number one. Mm. I mean, just the shit that he knows out of, you know, the annals of wrestling history is just mind-boggling. It's, yeah. it's crazy. 
Um, but beyond that, uh, we were doing a show. Of, <laughs> I, I don't remember if it was uh, – I think it was uh, Game Changer. pretty sure it was Game Changer. And uh-huh. uh, he pulled stuff at me. And he, he had a really bad cut um, just aside the, the, his neck. And uh, I just remember him, and it was just gushing. And uh, he looked up at me, and he, and he says, John, I think I'm going to die. And, and that was scary. Uh, for me to, to hear a word, you know, anybody, you know, especially somebody uh-huh. that I like, uh, look up at me. And he was, he was being serious at the time. I mean, he, he really thought he was going to bleed out. Um, and it was that bad of a cut. And, uh, you know, I just looked at him. I was like, no, you're, you're not, you're not going to die on my watch, kid. That ain't happening today. Not in my ring. You suck it up, get up, finish this guy, do the finish. Let's go home. We'll get you cleaned up. And, and that's exactly what happened. Um, but, that that was scary for me just because I think a lot of Alex and you know for him to look up at me and and very seriously think that he was in trouble um, and you know me I, at that moment I wasn't sure should I stop the match right now um, and, and and I'm glad I didn't uh, because it, you know he was able to finish and and do the finish of the match and you know it, it was it was all good um, and and it made sense and, and business got done and. He was, he was fine, um, but <clears throat> it was still still very surreal to you know have somebody look up at you and think you know I, I think I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Especially doing a death match. Don't say that. Really, come on, give me a fucking break. <laughs> I'm not gonna let anybody. And no, nobody's gonna die in one of my rings. Uh, th- that much I can tell you. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I, I will. I will do everything I can. Uh, should I ever see something? as serious uh, or serious enough to cause uh, a fatality or, or something of that nature, I'm, I'm definitely going to step in and, and let my voice be heard. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let anybody blatantly be reckless and have a disregard for their life uh, in the mm-hmm. match I do. Um, I'm very forward with the promoters that I work with uh, that do deathmatch wrestling about that fact, and I think, um, I think that that is one of the things that, that keeps me prominent in deathmatch wrestling is the fact that I care. I genuinely care about these guys, and, and I have a knowledge of, of how to help protect them um, because I've been around it for so long. So, you know, um, it, again, it, it it's never fun, um, you know, while you're it, – it, you don't think about it being fun when you're in there. You just think about, you know, I gotta, I gotta make sure these guys are, are, are going to be safe throughout the whole thing. Yeah. How did you um, start working for GCW? I'm sorry, you broke up. How did you first um, start working with GCW? Uh, I got to give credit to my wife. She, uh, uh, during a uh, VOW show, Brett Lauderdale and Nick Gage were there, and um, she just went to Brett and said, "You need to watch my husband. You need to you need to watch him, and if you like him, you need to put him to work." And next thing I know, me and Brett were talking, and um, you know, I, I owe that door to to my wife. She she stepped up, whereas I was a little timid and. Didn't know if I was ready for something that I personally deemed to be a very big stage um, because I hold a lot of high regard for Brett Lauderdale and Nick Gage and the company GCW as a whole. Um, 
and and I just wasn't sure if I was ready for that. Um, and uh, it worked. It, it worked out. And uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of shows for them. I'll be in Chicago uh, next weekend for them. Um, I'm gonna be in uh, Atlantic City in February for June Kasai. So looking forward hmm. to that. Um, and yeah. I'll be there uh, doing the Joey Janela deals, uh, the Blood Sport, and of course Black Crab for WrestleMania. Uh, WrestleMania week. So a lot of, a lot of great things happening with GCW and, you know, um, I would honor my wife. She, she, she has been an amazing supporter of mine. I, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have half the career I have without her. Yeah. Um, how did it, um, what happened with IWA that you left? Um, I moved to Alabama um, no, uh, that, that was part of the reason there, there was a, um, there, there, there were some personal issues that I was going through and, and I was showing up late a lot, um, almost every show and, you know, I never stayed, you know, afterwards, it was more like, you know, I showed up when I wanted to, I left when I wanted to, and, you know, Ian kind of, kind of took offense to that and, and, and I get it, you know, uh, it, it definitely was not meant in a prima donna way or an egotistical way or, you know, I'm better than everybody way. Uh, it just so happened I had some, some very serious personal issues going on in, in, in my own life and, and those took precedent over everything else. And um, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was I had to leave in the middle of the show to deal with an emergency and, um, and just <laughs> had had enough. So he fired me. And and that's hmm. you know that's why I'm not there no more. So you know, it's a uh, it's a business, and he's got a business to run, and I respect that. I understand that. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with the fact that I got fired. Um, you know, I, I think that me and him could have sat down and and you know worked something out. And it it would have been all good, but he chose to go the route he did, and you know I I, I have to respect that. So hmm. um, I don't have to like it, but you know that that's end of the day it's not going to change anything sure um now you know you were a part of you know ian's company and uh, you know a consistent uh, you know i guess that's the best way to put it is you were a part of ian's company but um Mm -hmm. his attendance has been continuously bad over the years um you know we've talked a lot about it on the show and everything and um what do you think the problem is um i i think partially location um I went to the 2015 King of the Death match, and um, mm-hmm. I just I feel like even if was the, that the, the, crowd, the, the VFW Hall outside, yeah, and okay. um, I mean most of the crowd was East Coast. Obviously, you mm-hmm. can't duplicate that a month later because I mean to ask your fans to drive you know 12 or 14 hours monthly is is just not going to happen. So I feel like the home base crowd just isn't that big to begin with because I mean they had a blockbuster tournament and still the majority of your crowd came from 12 hours away. So I I just got the feeling like this is just not the location to be packing houses. I mean there's bullshit shows on the East Coast that are putting 800 in the crowd. Jesus Christ. I didn't even come work those shows. <laughs> I could I, use I that mean, payday. Um <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I never really got involved in, you know, all the, the backside of Ian's booking um, mm-hmm. or, you know, how he put shows together or any of that. Um, 
I, I don't I don't necessarily believe that the talent or that Ian is to blame. I I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you know there's like nine thousand companies running in that one little bitty area. Um, mm-hmm. That you know I mean there's such an oversaturation of of wrestling there, and um, it's just when you when you have that much wrestling in, in such a short period, you know, people are only people are only going to go watch what they want. And if they can go mm-hmm. see, you know, Joe Nobody for you know three dollars on a Tuesday night, they're not going to turn around and pay fifteen to to see you know uh, an Aaron Williams who's a name. Um, and unfortunately, in that area, that that's that's the problem is. And brings in guys like Aaron Williams, Jay Christ, and Dave Christ, who are these great names, but mm-hmm. nobody there watches Impact, so they don't really know the Christs. They they don't watch CZW, so they wouldn't know them from there. They don't go to Ohio, so they don't know any rock star people, so they're not going to know who Aaron Williams is. Um, they're not going to pay fifteen dollars to see people they don't know, um, and and that that's the problem. Um, and then when he brings in guys he does know uh, who do have name and face value, uh, such as uh, Billy Gunn, you know, mm-hmm. um, he was a part of, uh, I believe, two shows, uh, one which drew very well, one which did not. Um, mm-hmm. Because, again, they had seen him once. They're not going to pay to see him again. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, you know, that that just falls in line with, you know, uh, the, the oversaturation there and, and just – so many choices, and and even in the building that he had running in, I think there's like, I don't know, five or six shows running there right now. So, yeah, you know, he, he's just he's just one of many, and and he he's got a great product for the price. Don't don't mistake me there. I would pay fifteen dollars mm-hmm. to watch any lineup that he put together with the roster that he has today. Um, I, I I think a lot of those kids are going to be something real soon. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot about Pat Monix and, and a lot of other guys uh, that, that have come up through the IWA ranks. Um, sure. So, you know, um, as of right now, people just don't know those names. and They're not going to pay $15 to see them. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough call. I mean, um, I've defended Ian a lot. Of, Ian doesn't like me anymore, but um, I've defended him a lot over the years and said, you know, he has a better eye for talent than most. Um, I mean, he's one of the most legendary promoters in the United States and one of the launching pads for all of indie wrestling, what ROH became, what, you know, all these different companies became. A lot of it was the blueprint that Ian Rotten put together. So I give him a lot of credit for that. I just think, you know, even his mind transplanted onto the East Coast immediately doubles his crowd, I think. But. Um, well, you would think, but uh, uh, didn't he do a show on the East Coast? Didn't draw? Yeah, uh, and and I think, you know, a lot of the bridges have been burned over the years, too, even, you know, with myself. I, I mean, I I thought I had a really good relationship with Ian. I had a difference in opinion. I thought the whole way that King of the Kings thing was being booked was ridiculous, and, you know, I commented on it as such and, you know, gave my reasons and all that behind it, and he completely cut me off. I was like, uh, I... I surely never meant any ill will towards the guy, but he just he just didn't want him to hear an opinion that didn't cater to him, I guess. So, you know, right. that's what it is. Well, well, he'll 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 come around. Well, <laughs> There's yeah, one thing I, I know we'll about him. He'll 
he'll he'll come around. Um, you know, and, and and again, I've known I've been I've been known Ian for over 20 years now. Um, you know, 2019, so 22 years I've known him, almost 23. And um, <clears throat> he's he's one thing he is is he, he's never changed. That Joe Bailey said that you know a leopard never changes his spots, and 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 that that is true about Ian Rotten. He 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 does not change. He is the same person. But you know, he he is a man, and um, after he gets you know his feelings hurt, he'll come back, and it'll be all good. So, you know, stay tuned. Well, he'll be back. On, he'll be back on your show. He'll be back on your show. Watch. <laughs> all right. We'll, Prediction we'll now. See. Prediction now. He'll be back on your show one day. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah. So uh, tell me a little about black black craft wrestling. Black crap! What a what a I'm gonna use an oxymoron here, but what a blessing that company has been to me. Um, just uh, you know the opportunities that have been there. You know, working with John Morrison, working with um, uh, Dave, uh, Doug Bradley, um, who I honestly did not even know who he was. Um, I, I had heard of Hellraiser, I had never watched it, <laughs> so. You know, okay, Doug Bradley, cool. You know, whatever. You know, as a matter of fact, when I walked up and introduced myself, he turned around. He said, "Hi, my name is Doug." I said, "Hi, my name's John Gray. I'm one of the rest. Nice to meet you." And you know, that was that. I had no idea who he was. No idea. Um, when I found out, um, I immediately um, uh, went and found my wife, who's a huge horror movie buff, and uh, told her who was there. And of course, she you know, creamed all over herself. It was great, and you know, she got excited and. Uh, they got to meet, and um, you know it, it was a real cool experience. And um, uh, I got hooked up with that through uh, the promoter and the booker for Vicious Outcast Wrestling. Uh, he is the uh, the booker for uh, Blackcraft as well. And um, you know the guys of Blackcraft, uh, Matt and uh, Brandon, and uh, those guys have just been uh, truly amazing. Uh, to me and and to my family who have traveled with me to both shows that they have put on uh, the one in Pittsburgh and the one in Buffalo um, and uh, I look forward to doing a lot of great stuff with this company uh, it's the first company that I have had the opportunity to be with on their very first show and I plan on being with them uh, a long long a long time I, I think they're going to be around for a while so Great, it's it's a great opportunity. They're 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 a great upcoming company. They they have a great vision and uh, they're doing something different. And I think that's what people want. Yeah. Um, what what would you say that they're doing that sets them apart from? Because there are so so many companies out there, and mm-hmm. you know it seems like a lot of them are just going by the same blueprint. But um, what are what are they doing that does set them apart? You know, I, I think I think the uh, number one, the religious overtones there, uh, and and the fact that they are associated with uh, the name Black Craft, they're they're catering to an entire different crowd than um, what you would see at your normal GCW or ROH or you know IWA Mid South or any any of your local you know indie shows. Um, their their main niche, you know, incorporating you know death metal and heavy metal into the shows, uh, into the intermissions, into you know um, the uh, uh, the all about atmosphere and whatnot. Um, it's it's catering to an entirely different crowd and opening up 
what we do to an entirely different um, genre of people uh, who most of that I've met were wrestling fans at one point or another, uh, but came for the death matter, the, the death metal show. And, you know, now they want to be wrestling fans again. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's like they're, they're just reaching out to a completely different demographic of, of people. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, what's the, uh, what's the craziest or scariest ref bump that you've taken over the years? Cause obviously, you know, things, angles get turned and this and that next thing you know mm-hmm. yeah the, the one of the performers is going to be doing something to you and obviously some are mm-hmm. a little bit more safe or you know whatever the case mm-hmm. you know i'm i've never really shot away from any bump um i've even recommended some pretty outlandish crazy shit um throughout the years um you know, I've uh, I've been set on fire uh, or put to a flaming table, rather. Uh, but but yeah. I actually, I, it, my 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 arm stuck to the table. <laughs> I had no skin on my elbows for months. It's horrible. Uh, I'll never do that again. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah. One time only. Never again. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget that too. It was the uh, first time I ever worked with Jamie Dundee, who you know I mentioned earlier. I was a huge fan of as a child. Um, and mm-hmm. so to get to work the show with him was, you know, really cool until, uh, he come back to the locker room after that spot and was like, that's why y'all are some stupid motherfuckers. That's why I get paid $500 a match and you're getting paid. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm over here, you know, damn near tears because my elbows are, you know, got wood stuck to them from the fucking plaster table, you know, so <laughs> Crazy shit. I've seen, goddamn. I have seen some crazy shit in my time. Uh, so, yeah. And he was like three feet to win. God love Jamie. Today, he's one of my good friends, and I'm, I'm very blessed that, that, that me and him were able to form a friendship many years after the fact. And I've told him that story, and, and uh, he's always had the same reaction. Ah, you can't judge a book by its cover. I was probably coked out of my head. <laughs> so. <laughs> Fucking Jamie, but yeah, Jamie. Jamie's been uh, Jamie's been really cool. Uh, but you know, I've never really. <clears throat> there's not one that's, that's really sticking out as like being scary or that, that maybe I had second thoughts about or I didn't mm. want to do. Um, the, <clears throat> more recently, like uh, I think uh, Schlack wanted to hit me in the head uh, with a. Um, uh, wanted to hit me in the head with a light tube as part of a deal for GCW, and I forget who mm-hmm. was working, but something happened during the during the match, and uh, uh, his opponent got knocked stupid. I mean, just fucking a loopy, lost where he was, couldn't remember what you know uh, what the next spot was, and uh, that was a big test of my communication skills and my memorization skills as well. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, we got, we got to the spot where it was supposed to happen and they were setting it up. And for whatever reason, Schlack just didn't, uh, the shot didn't get taken. And, and so it, it didn't happen, but I was, I was a little leery because I know Schlack's blind. So <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that scared me a little bit, but you know, um, not, not, not too much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much down for anything. I'm, you know, I've been doing this 21 years and, I just, I'm not getting any younger, so why not take all the chances I can? So yeah, I guess <laughs> throw throw caution um, to the wind. Fuck it. Yeah. So you know, you've traveled a lot. Obviously, you know, East Coast, mm-hmm. everywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. what's what's one of your favorite uh, crews to travel with? 
Um, well, believe it or not, there, there's only one crew I travel with, and that is my son and my wife. Um, they okay. they they go everywhere. They go everywhere with me. Um, Easy to get along with. <laughs> Uh, sometimes, uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, you, you get a 16 hour trip, you know, those can be kind of tedious, but, or 16, sure. you know, it's just one way, you know, I still got a 16 hour trip home too, you know, and we're, uh, we're, we're real frugal. So we'll sleep at like rest stops, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, you know, we don't get, we don't get no motels or nothing, you know, drive straight up, do the show, come, you know, catch a few hours at a rest stop and drive on home. Uh, that's, you know, just, just the way we do, but I couldn't think of a better crew to travel with. Um, you know, sure. um, having, having my son and my wife by my side and, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's amazing to share this journey with them and for them to be able to see, uh, just how far, you know, I'm, I'm able to go and, you know, even, even with this late stage in my career, you know, get still getting the opportunities that I'm getting, um, it, it's just an amazing time for me. Yeah. I mean, I, that probably cuts you down on crazy road stories when you travel with the family, but I mean, it's probably a lot safer too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, even, even before then, like, you know, I never really traveled with a whole lot of people. Like, um, as far as like worker wise, I would travel with like, uh, uh, concession stand people and stuff like that. Like I was kind of the outcast, you know, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I just jump in any car, you know, whatever. Um, I had a couple of a couple of road trips with like uh, the American Kickboxer, but you know, nothing crazy ever happened. Um, took a couple of road trips with Drake Younger. Uh, this was uh, clean and sober Drake, so no, we didn't we didn't really pull any ribs or anything. Uh, the only thing that really happened was uh, uh, I had made a mistake, and, and 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 a lot of people do this, uh, but you know we were we were discussing. Um, uh, a show and, and instead of saying I worked with, I said, well, I worked, uh, Yada Blase. And he was like, really? <laughs> so, uh, when we got to the next rest area, uh, he was like, look, it's just like, you know, when since I trained, you gotta do 10 squats. You gotta set a good example for my kids. And I was like, God damn it. Are you serious? Try to do 10 squats. He's like, yeah, you screwed up kid. You gotta do it. And I was like, what do you mean? I've been doing this longer than you. How do you do Fuck, okay, here we go. So I did 10 squats, you know, in the middle of a rest area. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all because I, instead of saying working with, I said worked. Um, and, and that's a big thing for uh, any green beans listening. You don't work anybody but the crowd, okay? You work with people. So there you go. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, trying to think of what else I got. Um. Is there anything else you wanted to put out there, touch on? Uh, I mean, it's you know a lot more no, of the things and, you've been through than I do. <laughs> so I can... uh, no, no, that's. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm grateful for uh, for you having me on, man. It's it's. Uh, I've listened to your show quite a few times, and I've you know I've always wanted to come on and and just you know uh, shoot the shit with you, and, and um, you know it's just a pleasure to get to do that. Kind of get some of my story out there, you know. It's not that it's a grand oldest one or anything, you know. I'm just a a little kid from Fairdale, Kentucky, who you know was able to accomplish a few things, and um, I am blessed to be in one Hall of Fame. And you know, some people think that that the you know quarter won't buy me a stick of gum, but to me, it means everything because that company decided that I had done enough in the time that I had been doing this to honor me and. Um, I'm very grateful for that, and I will always be grateful for that. Um, 
uh, I'm, I, I've just I, I've lived a dream. I've got to travel around on another man's dime, and uh, now I get to do it with my family. And I just I couldn't ask for a better life. I just couldn't. Yeah. It's just it's just just been amazing. Uh, you can catch me uh, in uh, Chicago or not. Uh, I forget the name of the town specifically, but check out uh, Freelance Underground and uh, Game Changer Wrestling. Uh, they got a couple of shows coming up the 10th and the 11th uh, this upcoming uh, week from tonight and next Saturday. Uh, I'll be in attendance for both of those shows, uh, and then in February uh, the 16th, I'll be in Atlantic City uh, for Name Changer Wrestling when June Kasai comes to States. Uh, cannot wait for that show. It's going to be a great show. Um, even yeah, if I don't get to work with June Kasai, just the fact that I'm on the show with June Kasai is enough for me. Uh, that's that's a fucking bucket list right there. Um, so. so <laughs> Um, and then uh, WrestleMania week, uh, I'm doing uh, Joey Janela Spring Breaks. I think there's another GCW show that I may be leaving out. I may be wrong. There may only be three. Um, and the Blackcraft show. So I'll be in attendance uh, in Jersey City for, for those four shows. And who knows where else uh, during WrestleMania week. I don't know where I might decide to try to pop up. Never know where an opportunity oh, yeah. might, might arise. So uh, hopefully yeah. I'll see you uh, somewhere up there um, in Atlantic yeah, City. Yeah, I don't really attend shows anymore. But, uh, oh, nah, give me nah. a fucking break. Bring your ass oh, to Atlantic City. See Jim Kasai. It's a once-in-a-lifetime. You know that. Nah, I've seen him probably five times. Uh, I'm lucky enough oh, to well, say I've seen June quite a few times. He's, he's my favorite, but I'm all set. Uh, oh, one, one other thing I definitely wanted to tell you. Playoffs. We got the playoffs mm. coming up. Oh you know? God! Don't, don't, don't! Because I will break your heart. I, I will. I, I will. I will have you so angry at me that you will hang the happen. phone up on me. Not I, gonna I, happen. I, I promise you, it will. Jcat, I, I am a, I am a staunch and a diehard and a lifetime Dallas Cowboy fan. I don't care how bad we suck. I don't care if we got Quincy Carter as the backup quarterback again. I will still cheer yeah. for my Cowboys. Yeah, I went. Oh, I went right. there. Quincy Carter. Quincy Carter. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> I'd expect you to cheer for him. Um, you know, I'm a diehard Niner fan, and obviously we're nowhere near the playoffs. But you know, it doesn't change anything for me. But uh, can you spell playoffs? I, just, I don't. I don't. I don't think they know what playoffs are there anymore. Y'all are turning into the modern day Dallas Cowboys. You're, you're turning into the modern day Cowboys. I mean, you, I mean, I think you, we you got took our place. Rings, but, you know. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is you're about to go the same amount of years without a playoff is what you're going to do. <laughs> nah, nah. Jim, you'll be back next year. It'll be a whole different ball game. So what are you, what are you talking? Seattle Seahawks are on fire right now. Russell Wilson is uh, unstoppable. Uh, you got him in, in Dallas. Yeah. What are we talking about? We got him. We, we got him in Dallas, and, and you know what? It, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a good game. Dallas is going to edge it out. Um, I, I believe uh, – I believe we, we got a three-point advantage uh, there, uh, I believe, in our kicker, even though nobody else seems to. Uh, he's no Dan Bailey, but, um, you know, Buddha Baileys are few and far between. They're kind of like um, uh, David Akers, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I went there. You know, I, I'm, I'm a huge David Akers fan. Even though I hate the Philadelphia Eagles, I loved mm-hmm. David Akers because he was such a great kicker. Uh, and kickers don't get enough credit in this league. Uh, but the – Oh, another story for another day. Uh, but I believe mm-hmm. we, we've got the better special teams, and um, I believe our defense has shown that we can hang with, with anybody, uh, especially especially after our showing with New Orleans. And I know that that was in our house, 
and this is in our house, and that's where we do our work the best. So uh, I think I think we can edge it out of them. Um, it'll be a close game, though. I think I think we win by three. Yeah. Now, I mean, you got no choice to be biased. I can't hate you for that. Um, I'm definitely no Cowboy fan as a. You know, as a longtime Niner fan, you guys were the team of the 90s because you were beating us to get there, just like we were beating you in the 80s to get to where we were, you know, so. Touche. Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. Just a lifetime, yeah. you know, hatred based on, on that. It's well, been a long time since there's been any, any issues between the teams, but, you know, we'll, we'll come back to that at some point. Um, yeah. We just got to get relevant again. Um, <laughs> but obviously you have no choice but to be biased. It's your team. Um, I mean, yeah. you go going your guys all the way to the bowl. Oh yeah. Do you, do oh, you yeah. Think you oh yeah. I, I think yeah. I think I think I think yeah. I think we have I think we have a good enough team. We can we can beat New Orleans and New Orleans. We could beat uh, we could beat anybody uh, right now. Um, I do not believe we could go on the field and just you know run over anybody uh, right now. I believe every game would be very very close. But I I believe enough in my team that each each game um, is gonna is gonna draw out just some some all and, and some crazy moments and and you know they're gonna look back on this season and they're gonna say damn man we went 10-6 won Super Bowl it's but cool you know uh, it's it, it, it's not likely to happen but I believe no. it can happen um, because uh, nobody thought they would do it well, I'm trying to remember what was it the 90 92 year they went 10 and 6 or was it 95 I can't remember. I know in '93 they they went 13 and three, but it was either '92 or '95 they went 10 and six and won the whole goddamn thing. So you know, uh, Dallas is Dallas is anything. They are uh, very very good at uh, proving people wrong. So they said we didn't belong in the playoffs. We stood atop the AFC or the NFC East, and um, you know we did so because. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott did what they were supposed to do. Our defense lined up. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch is probably, and, and Jalen Smith are probably two of the greatest uh, linebacking core in the in the in the game today. And that's not just me saying that. Stephen A. Smith has even said that, and that's really saying something considering how much he hates Dallas. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know. So I hope you don't okay. get, I hope you don't get sued for that. <laughs> So uh, you got uh, you got the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, but who do you got them mm-hmm. up against? Who, who's coming out of the uh, ASC the in your opinion? I, I think I think Chiefs. it's going to be the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I think the Chiefs have the Patrick Mahomes is is on fire. He's uh, he's doing some amazing shit. Um, I think if anybody can beat Dallas in a Super Bowl setting, it would be the former Dallas. I mean, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, a little history lesson there for you people that didn't know Kansas City used to be Dallas. So yeah, go back and do your research if you didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, I, I think if any team can can contend uh, with Dallas and and give them the best run for their money in the Super Bowl, it's going to be Kansas City. Not not to take away anything from the Los Angeles Rams, I just think Kansas City is better. Mm. I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers, not the Rams. I apologize. All right. Well, um, sports betting is legal in Jersey, and I'm looking at it right now. If you bet $20 right now on Dallas Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, the payout would be $520. So if you got any friends in Jersey, you send them 20 You know, <laughs> throw that bet for you. I think I got a few people up there. I'll try to get that in. There you go. Um, 
But yeah, man. I, I mean, I wish you luck. I hope you don't win the Super Bowl. But like, that puts you at six. We got five. I'm not really into that yeah. type of number. So, um, but uh, we, we, we got to get six because I'm tired. We got to get six because I'm tired of Pittsburgh sitting in the top by themselves. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Can we can we agree on that? That that somebody else yeah, needs to get yeah, six. Yeah, just not. Gonna, yeah, it can't right. be you. <laughs> just can't be you. So uh, we're coming soon. Good times. Good. good times. But yeah, right. man. Well, Jay, uh, I, for again, I do on. appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been a blast, man. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, man, it's been a good time. So um, yeah, I think that's about all we got. Um, do you want to give any plugs or anything? Uh, blackcraftwrestling.com uh, go buy the first two shows for $10 a piece uh, so check that out uh, Game Changer Wrestling check them out Freelance Underground uh, Vicious Outcast Wrestling go check out all their Facebook pages Twitters and I think, uh, think Blackcraft even has an Instagram but I might be wrong um, I don't, I, I've got a Facebook and I'm lucky to have that I think I have a Twitter I just haven't signed into it in like 20 years so yeah mm. um, but yeah so that's it uh, go out, enjoy, and support indie wrestling. Cool, man. Thanks again for coming on, man. Not a problem, man. Thanks so much, buddy. All right, have a good night. So there you go. There was John Gray. Um, not much else to say tonight because, again, this is my second show in a week, which is fucking crazy. I take weeks and weeks and weeks off, and now you get two in a week. And look at that. If you add shit, if you add to that, that I did the uh, THT show. So that was like really three shows within seven days i believe that is so pretty fucking impressive for a guy who doesn't like fucking do this all the time so uh that's about all i got check out tht podcast check out i got you five stars with jeremy over there doing his fucking thing and uh i think that's about all i got oh shit i mean if you want to hit up a, a fuck out of here shirt i mean you there's not enough of these fucking shirts out there. Every time I wear it, I look and go, that's a cool motherfucking shirt, man. But, hey, y'all want to be cool? That's not on me. Talk to y'all motherfuckers later. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. I'm tired of rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good. Like, Jesus tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you got to say because you be blazing people. And I'm like, well, I got to hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide it. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. The Cusa Kid Radio. Jesus!
So say good night to the black guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools. 